0: Nicola Everett.
1: Hello, hope you're okay and looking forward to the weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Friday, July the 1st. Coming up, find out why there are calls to remove anti-bike barriers in Sittingbourne. A Medway charity supporting bereaved parents reaches a milestone and the Vamps chat about their 10th anniversary. But first today, the Kent Travel Agent expects disruption to flights to continue for some time. Hundreds of passengers were left stranded yesterday when dozens of flights were cancelled at the last minute. You might have seen on the telly pictures of passengers waiting in really long queues at airports, and some have been separated from their luggage. Well, I've been chatting to Chris Scoble from Go Scoble Travel Agents in Tunbridge Wells and started by asking what the problem is. It's
2: staffing. It's that simple. It's literally staffing. Um, We've got a couple of things going on at the moment. We've noticed that the COVID rates are going up so obviously there's testing still for airport staff and for airline staff so those rates are going up they're already on a capacity for you know they've got very very low amounts of people that are qualified to do the jobs at the airports and at the airlines so recruitment is a massive thing which um, is ongoing but it's taking some time to, to catch up.
1: It seems an awful lot of industries actually are affected by this recruitment problem. I'm, I'm guessing that all comes back to when staff were furloughed, maybe some left, and they they just haven't come back. I know a lot of other sectors are, are struggling as well, aren't they?
2: Absolutely. I think there's a couple of things here. You know, I hate, hate to mention the, the dreaded B word, but um, Brexit is another thing where we just can't get the staff. We can't get the, the staff to work at the airports. Yes, you're dead right. A lot of people, certainly in the travel sector, left the airports. Uh, poor pay, poor conditions. Um, realise after furlough there was something else out there for them. So, yes, it's it's not easy.
1: But for those who want to travel after two years of not being able to maybe go on a summer holiday, it must be incredibly frustrating. If you've got a holiday booked at the moment, what would your advice be to those people?
2: I think I would want to make it very, very clear that um, there's still a very small amount of flights being infected, OK? I, because we see one or two and we see massive queues, that could be for one plane... There is a lot of flights going daily. If you actually look at the figures, there are hundreds of flights going daily from all our airports. So I would just make sure, my advice to everyone is, keep literally by your, you keep up to date with your flight, keep checking your flight. Don't check it four weeks before you go, no quint. But within a week before you go, keep checking, get as, as informed as you can. And one bit of advice: do not get to the airport too early.
1: Ah, okay, that's very different to what I've been seeing on social media because I've seen an awful lot of people saying you need to get there about five hours before your awful. flight because it's it's no, so no. stressful. Is that adding no. to the problem?
2: Of course it is because we're there, we're getting more people at the airport. We have not we don't have enough staff at the airport. So, therefore, we're, we're five hours before, there's nothing you can do. Now, if you look at EasyJet, their baggage rails do not open for until three hours before you go. You can't do anything at the airport rather than stand and look at the screen, which will have nothing on it because you're five hours before your flight. So, please do not arrive there five hours before. If
1: you are stood at the airport and you suddenly get a message or an email saying your flight has been cancelled, I know, obviously, the operator will give you some options, but can you just talk us through some of those options? Because I'm sure for some people, stood there with young children, they would go into a massive panic and perhaps not be able to think too clearly. Can you tell us exactly the sorts of things they should do?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think the the law is the law. So we need to be clear that that airline has to give you an option, Okay, They have to give you an option. They have to put you up in a hotel. If they can't give you the option, they need to pay your expenses. That doesn't help you getting on holiday. So I think um, it's all about communication here. EasyJet, I think, have been fairly good. They will help you. They will communicate with you. The issue we've had, I think, which is not massively answering your question, is that the likes of BA have had no staff to actually even um, speak to people about their options. So I think staying calm and not shouting um, is, is, the, is the best option. Um, keep your phone. If you've booked for a travel agent, Use your travel agent, ring your travel agent, get those people to work for you. We've done this many times in the last couple of weeks where we've worked, you know, worked for our customers, made sure that there's a flight there and given them the information they need to go forward to your flight provider to speak to them.
1: Newsreader Ishmael Kawaja from our sister radio station, KMFM, was due to fly to Turkey from Gatwick last night. His flight was cancelled while he was at the departure gate.
3: Hi, so as you can expect, it was a really, really frustrating evening. Um, My flight was due to leave with EasyJet from Gatwick at 9.40pm. I arrived well in advance, about three and a half hours prior to departure time, and everything was going smoothly. It was relatively quiet. I went and self-checked in um, and then headed to the departures lounge. got through there without any issues obviously as you'd expect once in the departure lounge it was very very busy obviously you've got an abundance of passengers various different flights going on I had to wait until about 8.50 for my gate information to be made available As soon as I found out I headed straight for the gate and um, got there so 8.55 I think it was and obviously as you expect there's a queue for people boarding as I was waiting I'm waiting to to board. Um, a lot of people became understandably restless, and the, the the queue was it was moving, but very slowly. And I got I was near to the front of the queue when I think it was half past um, half past nine. Um, there was an announcement saying that we are not boarding. There's why recall there was an issue with the dispatcher air control air traffic control um, and at that point obviously 10 minutes prior to to leaving the alarm bells start ringing and you you're just praying that um this isn't a significant issue five minutes later um i overheard from uh, another passenger that they're about to tell us that the flight was cancelled um which five minutes it was probably even less than five minutes when they confirmed that the flight was cancelled, um, and so of course I, it was it was devastating to to find out just a mere minutes before I thought I was boarding the plane, the flight was cancelled, um, and the crux of the issue was staff shortages, or it it seems. Um, Uh, according to the app because there were some there were live updates at the very least um, that um, they didn't have staff who could legally work the hours required which just seems unbelievable. But
1: yesterday, the government set out a 22-point plan to try and ease the disruption. The transport secretary insists it's now down to all travel companies involved to commit to running services they've promised. Well, you can read about this and let us know if you've been affected by heading to the story at Kent Online.
0: Kent Online News:
1: A Kent man accused of murdering Zara Alina in East London has appeared in court again. The 35-year-old law graduate was walking home from a night out when she was attacked in Ilford in the early hours of Sunday. Jordan McSweeney, who's 29 and used to live in Rochester, has been remanded in custody. He's due at the Old Bailey in September to enter a plea. The family of a musician from Canterbury are finally able to lay him to rest more than 10 months after his death. 31-year-old Dan Venez went missing last August and his body was found on a beach in France two weeks later. Well, It's now been released to his family, but a pathologist has been unable to confirm how he died. The family are hoping to set a date for a funeral soon. Medicine and beauty products have been stolen from a pharmacy in Gravesend after it was badly damaged in a fire. The owners of the Pender store on Milton Road have been unable to access the site since a blaze at the former pub next door five weeks ago. Two men have been arrested in connection with the thefts and released under investigation. You can see the very latest pictures from the scene at Kent Online. Now, this has got a fair few of you talking today. A sitting-born mum with triplets is calling for something to be done about barriers designed to stop motorbikes because they're preventing her from pushing her buggy. Rebecca Furs says she's unable to walk the 18-month-olds to nursery via Archer's Park and the Grove Park Estate. Now, the barriers were installed to stop motorbikes from travelling along footpaths, but parents say it's making their journeys difficult. This is what Rebecca has
4: told the podcast. The barrier faces, well, it means I can't walk to town and I can't go to take the triplets to school if I wanted to walk there, which means having to get them in and out of the car twice, and that's a lot in itself. Um, it just, it blocks our access really to that side of town. And to, I mean, there is another way we can go the long way round. But when you're pushing three babies in a buggy, and for others trying to access Grove Park School, which is on the other side of the railway line, I know um, a few twin parents and parents that have got babies close in age with double buggies that that can't access that side of of the railway, that side of town, um, and. The motorbikes in the six years that I've lived in this area, the motorbikes go up and down that pathway regardless of the fact that the the barriers are there to stop them. Um, more so in the summer months we see and we hear them, we, our house is situated quite close to the railway line and we hear them going up and down and I always think if there was small children or anyone, dogs walking, people walking their dogs, they would get you know, hurt because the motorbikes fly up and down that railway line pathway regardless of the fact that the barriers are there.
1: Kent County Council say the barriers were installed following several requests from the community back in 2018 however they will now be reviewed. You can head to the story online to see what the barriers look like and let us know what you think.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the FG
1: Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A Margate man's been charged with stalking a woman in Canterbury. The 37-year-old is accused of leaving her threatening voicemails and confronting her in person. It was reported to police back in March and the suspect was arrested this week. He's due back in court later this month. At Kent Online today, you can see pictures of a fire that's destroyed a motorhome on Sheppey. A person was treated by paramedics after breathing in smoke during the blaze on Marine Parade in Minster on Wednesday evening it's still not clear how it started the cost of living crisis as you may already know has seen household bills and shop prices go up and now taxi fares in a part of kent could also increase council bosses want to raise the maximum charge by 10 percent to help drivers deal with record high fuel costs a public consultation is running this month to find out what some of you in the area think of the idea Meantime, people living in a part of Canterbury say they've reached tipping point because of rubbish being dumped near their homes. Residents near Kemsing Gardens say the issue has been going on for more than 15 years and it's now becoming dangerous. Rani Barbara says landlords are to blame. It is their responsibility to ensure that they make regular checks to make sure that their properties Mm -hmm. are being left in good condition and that the students or, or families that they're renting out to are actually doing what the Code of Conduct requests. Well, Canterbury City Council say they accept the area is in need of attention and officers are assessing what work can be done. Ben Fitter-Harding is the council leader and has been speaking to our colleagues at KMTV.
5: It goes beyond flight. It? It's it's really quite awful and you wouldn't expect that in a district like Canterbury, where we're so fortunate to have such, you know, such wonderful things, such wonderful places, that there would be Areas like this, residential areas like this, where people are having to live with not just fly tipping, but dangerous conditions, garages that are tumbling down, litter and waste strewn all over the pavements and the gardens. It's absolutely unacceptable.
3: When were the council first made aware of of the
6: issues?
5: As far as I can tell, the council has been aware that there have been issues for some time, um, months or possibly more. Um, I'm not the local councillor for this area. Um, but I was copied in on some me my correspondence last week and that was the first time that I saw the pictures for myself um, and needed to come down and talk to residents and see what we can do to resolve this. And what, what have the residents told you today about the situation? They're clearly very frustrated and they're clearly very upset um, We run campaigns at the council about loving where we live and they clearly love where they live because they're passionate about getting this sorted. But no one's been listening to them, no one's been taking them seriously. And because it's a complicated problem where there's different people that own these garages, different people owning the houses around them that aren't being properly maintained, I can understand why it's hard to get people to come in and act. Ultimately, the council does have powers that it can use to help these residents, and my job is making sure the council does that.
3: So in that respect, what are the council going to do about the the issue?
5: There are some short-term things that we can do to clean up and make sure things are a little more presentable, but we are very aware that when we clean up, it's very likely the problems will come back very quickly. Now, we can't keep using taxpayers' money over and over again to clear up responsibility of private individuals. They should be managing these areas, these garages a lot better than they are. The owners of these garages are clearly, um, it's it's a dereliction of of their duty to, to care for and maintain this area. So we need to find them. We need to make sure they're aware of what's happening, and we need them to pay to put right the problems that are here.
1: Kent Online reports. A man who threatened to stab an elderly woman during a shop robbery in Gravesend has been jailed. Gavin Jarvis went into a newsagent's on Livingstone Road, armed with a knife, and stole cash from the till in May. Police used CCTV footage and forensic work to catch him. The 29 year old from Palmer Avenue has been locked up for more than three years. The number of people in hospital with COVID in Kent has nearly trebled in the last month. 190 patients were being treated in the county on Tuesday. That's up from just 65 at the end of May. Latest figures show coronavirus cases have also risen by more than a third in the week to last Saturday, but deaths thankfully remain relatively low. A Kent charity is marking 10 years of providing cold cots for families who've experienced the loss of a baby at birth. Abigail's Footsteps was set up by Joe and David Ward following the death of their daughter, who was stillborn at 41 weeks in 2009. They've now given more than 100 so-called abbey cots to bereavement suites at ho- hospitals across the country and delivered training to midwives. David's been speaking to Jamie. In
6: 2009, our daughter Abigail was still born at 41 weeks gestation. Um, so basically, she was overdue. Um, no reason for any cause of concern. Uh, all was well. Um, but Joe and my wife didn't feel any movements over the weekend or infrequent movements. So, attending the hospital late on Sunday evening, we were told that um, she was no longer alive. She, her heart had stopped. So, um, We'd lost her. So uh, the next three days were an interesting journey through Midway Hospital at the time with the facilities woefully inadequate back then. Um, And we decided to do something about it. So Abigail's Footsteps was formed to improve the bereavement care for parents and improve hospital architecture and improve training for staff because many uh, midwives didn't ever receive bereavement training.
3: And if you would mind, just describe that time for you you know I can't even begin to imagine how that was
6: um it was very very difficult we uh we thought we were in a soap opera it was something that happened on tv um in fiction it didn't happen in real life so for us it was a uh a major shock you know the nursery was decorated the clothes were all washed the car seat was in the car ready to bring the baby home and um you no know, bless so we didn't bring abigail home so it was a major major shock we were three days in the hospital The room at the time, and I must stress, at the time, the room at the time was on top of the delivery area, right next to the reception area. So, you know, we would hear a lot of babies crying, we'd hear a lot of people celebrating, and rightly so. But of course, when you lost your own child, very, very difficult. So, um, you know, we were literally sort of stuck in the room because we didn't want to come out and encounter newborn babies. Made it very, very difficult.
3: It's obviously the 10th anniversary of you delivering cold cots to hospitals across the country. Just tell me a little bit about what cold cots are and why they're so important.
6: Yeah, so when we lost Abigail, um, there was no such thing that we knew of. And uh, we had her for three hours um, before we had to say goodbye. And three hours isn't very much time at all when there's so much else going on around you. So after three hours um she was taken away and we never, you know, able to spend any more time with her. We researched and found a company in the UK that made um what was called a cold cop and they were about four and a half thousand pounds and we bought one for the hospital. Um when I saw it, I was very disappointed in what four and a half thousand pounds had bought because although it was an important piece of kit, it um, seemed to be a lot of money for what it was. And that's why we then approached the bond group in CNS to see if they would consider making them for us and they did um, very kindly even though it's not something they normally do they they do refrigeration for retail outlets they kindly agreed to get involved and help us um redesigned and modified the cots make it uh, more robust and fit for purpose and that was the birth of the abbey cot and um the first cot delivered was um from uh, another company but thereafter they were all abbey cots and i believe we're now in the region of 100 and 203 cots that have gone out across the UK and um, and Ireland.
1: Just search for Abigail's Footsteps online for details on how you can donate or indeed access support.
6: Kent
7: Online reports.
1: 30 vehicles have been ordered to leave a car park near Dartford during a crackdown on antisocial driving. Police have been in Greenhithe following complaints about so-called boy races on Crossways Boulevard. A dispersal order was in force and three people were given speeding fines. The old Town Hall building in Margate could be turned into a shop or a boutique hotel. The council's looking to rent out the Grade 2 listed Victorian site in the marketplace. It currently costs £13,500 a year to maintain it. Meantime, a new Taco Bell is expected to open in Canterbury by spring next year. There are plans to transform a former sewage treatment site on Sturry Road into a trade park and developers reckon it'll create 50 jobs and take nine months to complete. If you're heading out this weekend, a reminder, the M2 is going to be shut London bound. It'll be closed from eight this evening until six on Monday morning between Faversham and the Stockbury Roundabout, so bridge repair work can take place. You can listen to our sister radio station, KMFM, across the weekend for regular travel updates. You can also follow our live travel blog on the website. It might be the middle of summer, but we've got news today that the Christmas ice rink in Tunbridge Wells has been given long-term approval. It was first set up in Calverley grounds in 2011 and normally runs for about 12 weeks over the festive season. Where well, council bosses have given it permission to come back every year until 2028. The Vamps have been chatting to our sister radio station, KMFM, about their 10-year anniversary. They're going on a Greatest Hits tour later this year and have been telling Numi on the hit list they're going to be making the most of their milestone together.
0: I think we might spread it for a while because you, you you know how long when you have your birthday, it slowly turns into like a birthday week. Yeah. Other than just like the day. So I think we're going to approach this 10-year anniversary as a year-long anniversary, basically.
8: I think it's got to be done. I'm I'm a birthday month kind of person. Oh, <laughs> so,
0: really? You're, you're one of them.
8: Yeah, I just feel like, you know, uh, I'm a radio <laughs> presenter. So obviously I'm an extrovert and I'm a Gemini. So I love attention. <laughs> okay, okay, so to I um, yeah. totally get that vibe of wanting to spread out for the whole year. Uh, I saw that you've released a fanzine celebrating 10 years of the Vams. What was the experience like putting that together? It's a really cool, kind of unique idea.
7: Yeah, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we wanted to do something that was like a physical thing for the fans because, you know, in the era of uh, streaming and, well, no longer CDs and stuff, it, it'd be nice to have something that is tangible that people can hold on to and, uh, well, hopefully keep and cherish. So we... Yeah, we sort of look back over the last decade of at pictures that we uh, never like released, and we found some like Polaroid pictures and um, wrote our, our own captions on them and stuff. We've also like compiled like a, a list of tracks that we feel like epitomizes uh, how we view the last ten years um, with the Vamps which is cool. And I think, yeah, fans seem to have been reacting quite quite positively to it. They, um, they're they excited to get it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, coming soon. I
8: re- I think there is kind of like this resurgence now of people wanting physical things like vinyls made a big comeback. <clears throat> people are buying cassettes now. So I, I really, yeah, I, I like that idea of having something that you can actually hold as a, as a piece yeah. of memorabilia. What's yeah. your favourite unseen photo that you've included in the design?
0: Well, Oh, that we've included, yeah, I was going to exactly. say. Exactly. Um, uh, or that you've of, not,
8: that, that didn't yeah. make the cut. <laughs>
0: there's a couple that could, didn't make the cut and should never make the cut. <laughs> um, but there's, like, a really nice one that I think it's already out, but maybe it's a different version of it, where at the O2, the last O2 Arena show that we did about three years ago, Tris popped a bottle of champagne. There's a running theme here, isn't it? <laughs> but Tris popped a bottle of champagne on stage whilst all four of us were, like, in a line. And you just see the O2 and then us four, and it's just, like, that was a really special moment.
8: Oh, bottle. that's amazing. Are you going to recreate that, you think, in November this year?
0: Yeah. It actually,
8: yeah. um, so we, you've got this greatest hits arena tour 11 dates november december tickets are on sale friday the first what can we expect from this tour
7: it's the first tour that we've ever done where it's not been associated to a specific album so i think hopefully if you're a fan of the vamps you'll be able to like appreciate the journey from you know 10 years ago to now so picking the set list is going to be quite hard but I imagine Mm. and it is like a a greatest hit tour, so I imagine we'll be picking like a a couple of like the most um, impactful songs from each album as well as like ones that are special to us that we feel like maybe a fan favourites as well.
1: The tour will start in Manchester in November. If you didn't hear them on the show, you can listen in full at kmfm.co.uk. And finally, a toy car, which was bought for just 50p back in 1965, has sold for £720 at auction in Canterbury. The Corgi 007 Aston Martin won the first Toy of the Year award and has since become a collector's item. It comes complete with the owner's top secret documents and a 007 badge.
2: OK, Online, sports.
1: Football First and Gillingham have signed former Newcastle United goalkeeper Jake Turner. The 23-year-old will compete with Charlton Loney, Ashley Maynard Brewer for the number one shirt next season. The Jills are taking on Folkestone Invicta in a friendly match this weekend as they get ready for League Two to get underway at the end of July. Athletics and Kent's Dina Usher-Smith has claimed a confidence-boosting win in the 200 metres in the Diamond League ahead of her world title defence. She edged out a Swiss athlete in a photo finish in Stockholm the World Athletics Championships takes place in Oregon in the US in just two weeks' time. On to cricket, and Kemp will be aiming for back-to-back wins in the T20 Blast today. The Spitfires beat Sussex last time out. It's been a disappointing campaign overall for the defending champions. They're currently bottom of the South Group table, where they're travelling to take on Surrey tonight and play at the Oval gets underway at 6.30. 30. Meantime, Kent's Sam Billings is keeping wicket for England in their one-off test match with India. He's filling in for Ben Foulkes, who's not ready to return to the squad year after having COVID. Kent's Zach Crawley is also with the team and the game is taking place at Edgbaston. And finally, a table tennis club in Kent is calling on the sport to get more recognition. Bosses at a club in Mepham say COVID has meant many players haven't returned and they're struggling to introduce young people to the game. Maurice Butler is one of the coaches.
7: Our aim really is to in- encourage people as far as they want to go in, in playing of table tennis. So if-, if-, if they are just happy being here with friends from school um, to be coached, um, then we encourage that. If someone wants to uh, play in a league after getting better or uh, go on a circuit with the national uh, uh, sides and stuff like that well then that's something we also encourage but we're, we're open to all ability
1: we can head to the story on the gravesend pages of kent online for details on how to contact the club that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram you can also get access to the ad-free kent online premium site to do it just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, you can check out all of the criminals who were locked up in Kent in June, plus read the latest review from the secret drinker who's been visiting a pub in Faversham. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday.
0: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group